Today on Unpacking the Real, we get to know two of the artists who helped us bring Real Is Not Real Enough to life. A little later, I'll introduce you to Eric Lebecki, the award-winning illustrator and cartoonist who designed our podcast artwork. But first, I want you to meet the fabulous Eddie. Edgar Eckert is a Swiss-German actor who is the voice of Gunter Anders in our audio diary adaptation, Real Is Not Real Enough. Edgar's prolific performance career has played out across Germany's leading theatres, where he has regularly played lead characters. And in addition to his extensive stage credits, he's also worked in film and television. If you want to check out some of Eddie's work, we've put a bunch of links in the show notes. Eddie explained that the collaboration on this project was born out of a long-standing friendship with Chris Muller, and that Chris had introduced him to the work of Anders 15 years ago in a pub in Cardiff. When Chris approached Eddie many years later to ask him to embody Gunter Anders, Eddie jumped at the chance. And despite Eddie being in Berlin and Chris and our team being in Sydney, Eddie saw it as a unique opportunity to bridge the distance. Eddie explains that the text's openness enables a collaboration of this kind. When you go inside the text of Gunter Anders, there's a, well, this ambiguity, the fact that we can talk now, we, Helen, you and me, we can talk uh, here in, in Berlin, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what time is it. It's five o'clock, six o'clock at yours or Nine, something like 9:30 that. 9.30 at night here. You see, this is impressive. And so have, uh, having the ability to, to work on this Gunther Anders Hollywood Real is Not Real Enough project, um, which is also... Uh, well, well, the topic is also time and space somewhere. I just have something through my head because I'm on the same continent where on which is war right now. Yeah. And this makes it even right. Yeah, I, I did not have this thought before. Gunther Anders was in Los Angeles and uh, on his uh, old on the, in Europe was war and he was in Hollywood. I'm right now talking to you. And I'm on the continent where is where there is war right now. I can understand why that's so poignant. War mm, is back mm, again. And and the hope, mm. I think, at the end of this text was that we wouldn't see war like this in Europe again. We wouldn't see people exiled in the same way. And what we have is almost the recreation of, of those events in some ways, um, for some people at least, as we speak, which must be pretty Absolutely. confronting. Well, it's something uh, here in Berlin, it's specific because in 2015, when uh, Syria, uh, uh, the Syria crisis, the Syria war was, and so many refugees came, came to the West. And so, so you were um, confronted, uh, we from the German theater, Deutsches Theater in Berlin, we, we handled also uh, some, some stuff. We, we could uh, shelter some people in the theater and... That was in 2015, but uh, Syria was so far away. And now when you go to the Hauptbahnhof, to the uh, main station in Berlin, you see how many Ukrainians, uh, uh, refugees are coming. And um, the fact that there are Europeans, the fact that it's... Berlin is a thousand kilometers uh, away from Kiev. This is a one, these are three jumps away from here. This is really two corners away from here. Yeah. So uh, it makes it, yeah, the, the closeness, yeah, this, I don't know how to, yeah. Yeah, I guess it recasts the text in a whole new light again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. 
how often would you find yourself working in English? As you hear, uh, this morning I was uh, talking with my mother in French. And so I, I, my, 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 my brain is not right now good working on a good working space uh, in English. Because if I am a little bit longer in Australia, I would like to come to your place once. Uh, give me three weeks and then and, uh, I talk much better than now. This is my first uh, real uh, work on English. So uh, we had to probably do lots of work on my tongue. Can you describe some of that process for me, how it is that you went about getting yourself into a space where working in the English language felt like something that would be what Gunther Anders might express organically? I thought the first time that I read the texts, um, um, I thought it's it's so easy. It's so easy. English is uh, such an easy uh such an easy language. Uh, everything that I read, every, uh, everyone will, um, I expect it, everyone will understand it. But then afterwards, um, yeah, this, this um, Selbstbewusstsein, uh, the fact that I, yeah, Selbstbewusstsein, I don't know what's the word right now, self-confidence. Uh, no, this, um, I didn't have any self-confidence after that. Ah, I can make you an example. Something, an example of which came up right now, how language is evolving. I, I'm from Basel, right? I grew up in Basel and I, I, I learned this language quite early. Uh, the Basel, the German dialect, the, the German Swiss, Swiss German dialect of Basel. Uh, it's just the same like uh, High German, like uh, your Oxford English is our Hanoveranian German. So, however, we have uh, dialects uh, in Switzerland and in Basel, um, people uh, just came this summer to me, last summer to me, and told me, ah, you speak uh, Basel Deutsch, uh, Swiss German, very good, since when? And the matter of fact that I, 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 I wasn't in Switzerland for 20 years before, I lost, of course, my language past the, the, the professional <laughs> Swiss German. So the evolution of, uh, of language is the one side. And then being confronted that people are very, uh, well, there's a self-confidence in your language. So you've got some people in Hollywood who are speaking Californian, very fine and very good, but they don't have even this uh, big uh, vocabulary and are confronted to a Gunther Anders the, uh, whose uh, her vocabulary in English is not the, the best. So they are confronted with a person uh, who is confronted again with the fact that he needs to uh, to start from zero. Zero um, with the people he, uh, he meets uh, because they don't know him. They just know him by the fact how he's talking and the, why how the, the way the way how you are talking in uh, specific rooms places so people have an idea of you they don't have the whole picture of you but an idea of you eh? you, you you see you know what i'm talking about a little bit i made a little a big a big uh, rainbow uh, in my my line right now that it, it had to be had to be very difficult because he had to yeah he was very recognized in Europe, you know, in the circles. So in effect, you know, it becomes a point of connection with you and Gunther Anders in that Anders is trying to express himself in English in a foreign country where his kind of intelligence might not be immediately recognized and understood because he's working in a second language. And you're, in effect, kind of presented with a similar challenge as you try and kind of convert this work in English 
um, for an English-speaking audience when it's not the language that you're usually working with? And there's coming, there's the acting part coming inside, because I, I, I'm, I'm of course not in the position of him, because he he needs to be understood. I also need to be understood for an audience, but this is something absolutely different. He needs to be understood to go on in his life. And uh, me as an actor, I need that you understand what I'm talking about. But on the other, and, and somehow uh, I need to uh, get the process to find that in me. But of course, I'm not de uh, delivering the same thing. I can, I, I can just do an approach, approach of something, of course. Well, it's a single job for you, and it's his exactly. life in, in, exactly. Uh, exactly. in Hollywood, right? Exactly. He's got to make a living. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Exactly. 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 I know that um, I think it's probably fair to say that Chris and Ben were sort of reasonably um, hard taskmasters in terms of wanting to get a particular level of performance out of you. I'm hoping you might describe for us the process of recording in Berlin and having Ben and Chris there kind of feeding into that, giving you feedback and doing different takes. My understanding is it took quite a while for you to get to a kind of working model where you would read the text in German and then read it in English. Can you talk us through some of that? Yeah, of course. And it's um, very easy. Um, the challenge was exactly to as far as possible that I understand the text in German, because if you read it the first time, you don't need to understand it the first time. Those texts needs time. Those texts needs an approach. The text needs, for me, for me, um, I need to talk about texts um, to get, I need a hand, a helping hand, a guiding hand to go inside. So the German text was a help. So we read the text in German, um, like a layer for 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 my voice for my for my senses and then to go inside the English and uh, what uh, and uh, this the, the English part or the the strategy of um, of Ben and Chris was the Ben was the good cop and Chris was the bad cop the uh, Chris could be the bad cop because I know him much longer. Of course, because as long-term friend, Ben became a friend. So he needs to be the good cop. And, yeah, you know, this, uh, so I, it was always, um, yeah, he, I, I, I got a little bit, uh, um, I got a little bit um, chocolate gelati. Eh? I got the sugar, the sugar Ben gave me. The, the, eh, it's good. You're in a good way. You're good, good approach. Eh? He, um, eh? and, uh, and, and, and very uh, strict was Chris. There must have been times when you were, frustrated with the text or frustrated with the relationship between the German and the English. Did you find that or were you always in a sort of place where you were just kind of continuing to look for the sense that you wanted to convey in the recording? The, yeah, the thing is, another thing was also uh, through the fact, uh, through the way, uh, through this process work that I, that we uh, recorded uh, my voice and, in, and and intention of my voice or the intention of this how uh, how 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 they are spelled those sentences in which way it goes ben and chris they they were they had the time after our meeting to look if it's going in the right direction if the trans, uh, translation is going on the right direction 
this is something which can be very very uh, head aching for for somebody like me or somebody from outside or something like that but it is an artistic pro approach also to see to look to watch to see to adjust uh, read uh, translate to um and 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 and, and this uh, this way of working um, i know some people would have said the fuck off and uh, went away uh, but I love the work. I love this uh, this uh, this intensity. It, it has. It is a hard uh, hard thing. It's a hard work. Uh, now I mean from the heart. It's not a hard work. It's a hard work. It's both heart and the heart. Um, I spelled both similar. And but you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. I think that's a good point that you make, and and we haven't kind of drawn that out explicitly. Is that. I think often through the recording processes with you that Ben and Chris would go away and sometimes rewrite the text and, and try and, um, you know, really make the text not just work in English but work with you quite specifically in that relationship. Yeah, yeah. So there was yeah. that, that real tailoring process that was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is very important. Yeah, this is a very important point. Yes. Is there... A section of the text that stays with you um, more than others is there. Is there something you know that that you would immediately kind of go to when you think about the project as a whole? Over the whole work is uh, some some lonesomeness. Is a is a color of lonesomeness. Um, some color of a beautiful melancholy, and also a strength and a proudness. Being proud, but on the same time being very melancholy. Uh, well, yes, or hilflos, helpless somehow. And this is uh, how how this text touches me very deeply. This is I can't tell you which day uh, is my yeah because there's a humoristic part. There's a uh, they're, they're so different texts. I like them all, and I'm very proud of uh, well I I, no, I like them all, and uh, I like and I'm very proud about what we did about every day. So that's interesting. That rather than a specific passage, there's a sort of an overarching kind of feeling that stays with you about the the content, rather than this particular entry or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, lustig, uh, funny. Um, a friend of mine told me yesterday that he was in Los Angeles, and he, uh, he was alone wa uh, walking. Um, walking, he had a car. Oh, sorry, he rented a car, but he was lots of time, and and he was also listening um, the our podcast. Wow! While he was, uh, wor and he he he, uh, he thanked us. I wanted to thank you, uh, uh, three. Uh, through him uh, or he wanted to thank you so thank you uh helen ben and chris it, what what made him also a little bit uh, touch he was also very touched by the fact that he was alone and he had this voice uh, who was also alone it was a cool uh, coincidence sorry yeah yes no that's a great yes. story i love cool, that cool and coincidence so you're also going to be performing a play based on the script no, uh, it's well. It's not a play. Uh, uh, it's more uh, performance in uh, which well, a performance. It's it's not a performance. Also, because a performance is something which is happening in the moment uh, while the people, the audience is in the room, and it's not a performance. It's um, um, is it a reading? Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a mixture. It's a mix a mixture between the the English well our our work. Uh, uh, it's installation installation. 
and it uh, well well I, I will take this the our 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 text our our uh, recordings in a room with audience or the people will stand or sitting uh, in a big room which will be uh, right quite dark so we have this temperature of a theater place so I will learn by heart some German texts some texts which uh, we did in English for the recording and somehow I will do um, theater um, a mosaic uh, um, like a painting a theater painting so it's still in the in the baby shoes but it's in the uh, it's the 30 it's the 30th 30th april in the theater basel alte billetskasse yes sounds amazing i can't wait yeah. to hear more about it's that. a little bit uh, underground uh, underground performance interaction uh, arts combined stuff uh, for one only one evening and uh, yes it will be, it will be good Off Broadway. <laughs> off Broadway, off Broadway, yes. What will we see? What will we see? Have you had any other audience reactions to the podcast? Well, uh, all, all the people who uh, I told him they have to, uh, to hear it. Some people told me, oh, it's very conservative. Ah, it's a long time ago that I heard something so conservative. And I was asking, what do you mean with conservative? Yeah, I mean conservative. But what do you mean with conservative? Yes. And then they couldn't tell me what they meant with conservative. So I think what they meant with conservative, it's uh, it was like an old school recording with, you know, you hear the 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 body is wa uh, uh, walking in the apartment, uh, a glass of uh, water was is going is being filled up, uh, the radio transistor is yeah, and 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 somebody's walking down the street. So it was very funny that people said, ah, I, it's a long, a long time ago I heard something like that. So maybe that's sounding a bit like an, an old radio drama or something. From exactly, like very old-fashioned. Yeah. Uh, when did you did uh, when did you do that? Yes, 1915. No, of course we did it now. <laughs> yes. Is there anything that you would change about the process if you were sort of given what you've learned and what you've been through and, and all of the sort of, development that had to happen to get us to to where we got to if you were to do it overall again is there anything you'd change and i don't um, I, uh, i i i know this question but this question and nobody needs uh because i don't know why uh, what what, what uh, i i understand the question but it is the matter of fact that it's it's happened like it happened and this is uh, this is the precious thing Is the, that we know that's what we know about what happened and uh, what was good and what was bad because next time we will be better so we need that so <laughs> we need we need this process we need the process of also sometimes being failure uh, uh, having a failure or uh, or being frustrated very frustrated you need that that's so good it's so good because it's a process a create a creative process and so yes i'm very i'm very glad and very proud that we had this long uh, this long uh, breath because it was a long breath to take because sometimes i thought you guys would uh, would say very gently edgar it's very cool and very nice that you're working with us But there's the door. <laughs> I think we were more scared that you would say, I'm going to take the door, <laughs> rather than us telling you no, to take the door. No, no, never, ever, never, ever, never, ever. 
Um, <laughs> and it's a, dis- it's a it's where the discovery happens, right? In the <laughs> tension and the frustration and you find new things. You, you exactly said it uh, perfectly, yes. One last question for you then. How do you feel about the process of working through Zoom? Um, having created a bullshit that's bullshit but (laughs) there's no other way come on Helen I would like to uh, be in the the same place like you and uh, and and uh, after this uh, thing uh, after our recording I would like to take the champagne and bang gling gling and say happy birthday to you and uh, give you a hug what the hell what's going on with zoom come on eh uh, but it's the only way how australians and, and some in europe can right now work uh, or why we had also corona you don't have to forget eh? you were ex- you there was really corona uh, last summer uh, well not it was the summer the summer was your winter winter yeah, for exactly. us yeah we were exactly. we were in lockdown exactly. through the whole thing yeah absolutely we could, we could locked yeah, so You're we got man. to experience uh, Berlin vicariously through you. It was as close yeah, as yeah, 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 absolutely. No, no, Zoom, uh, Zoom is bullshit. Nobody needs that. People need uh, to see and feel and uh, and smell bodies of the others. It's, come on, eh? So we don't, uh, we are not robots. Uh, we we need to pay attention that we are not machines or stay at home all the time. What the? Woo! No, 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 no. It's very, very important that we are interacting and. Uh, moving our bodies a little bit more afterwards if this is yeah if this corona shies is away edgar eckert is the voice of gunter anders in real is not real enough and an actor with the deutsches theater in berlin if you're wondering what eddie looks like his face has been captured by the super talented eric lebecki as part of our podcast artwork Eric was a cartoonist for the Australian newspaper for 32 years, and he now works as a fine artist and illustrator. The tape you're about to hear has a bit of background noise because we recorded our conversation just after the initial launch of Real Is Not Real Enough at the Goethe Institute in December 2021. The gathered audience had just watched a compilation of the evolution of Eric's design process. And if you want to check it out for yourself... There's a link in the show notes. It's very cool. Eric explains how he feels looking back over the montage. And he says that he feels that he's successfully created an image that shows who Gunter Anders was and what he was trying to do in Hollywood. He was, he was an observer. He observed Hollywood for what it was. And um, by putting the two O's in his eyes, I think I felt like I, I contribute to the, uh, to the project, I think. Can you remember when that moment was, when you went, hang on a minute, there's two O's in Hollywood, we can make these his glasses? Yeah, so I was, uh, well, what it was, I was actually struggling with the image because I, uh, if, uh, you know, in the video you'll, you would see that I, I put uh, lights in and then I put um, a star in uh, and then I put all sorts of other uh, Hollywood costumey type things in, uh, lights, and, uh, and then I decided, well, no, that wasn't going to work, and and I think the the, the two two boys said no, it's not going to work, and um, so then we went back to the Hollywood sign, and then the and then I I basically put the uh, the Hollywood sign over the top of the of the two caricatures that I had, and I was just trying to position the Hollywood uh, background, and then all of a sudden I saw the two O's actually fit with the with the eyes, and it, it was perfect. So I I I tentatively put that out there, and. Um, 
and they loved it so so thank god for that <laughs> do you have a moment where you're like yeah yeah this is happening yeah well it is it's it's that uh it's it's that thing that we always look for in in um in trying to tell a visual story uh we're trying to i i always in my op-eds never never used words so i i needed to project a, an image and i was using tropes so so things that uh people knew uh uh, and then, and then my politicians actually use these tropes, and then, and then I would actually get a, um, a an image that would make sense, or sometimes not. And um, and so when when I saw the two O's, um, make a visual of what he was actually doing, observing in, in Hollywood, it it actually really, um, yeah, it's it's exciting, of course, you know, yeah. Can you remember what that moment was like when you were first approached? What were you thinking at that point? So I was very excited because all of a sudden I, I had just lost my job at the, at the newspaper and, uh, and I was looking for work and all of a sudden I got uh, rung up by Ben because I had met Ben in a conference um, about um, six months before. Um, the Humorous Studies uh, conference uh, where I presented my uh, work in progress and um, when he rang me up, I thought, oh, well, this sounds interesting, you know, and, and because I really want to go into the academic field and, and actually start um, uh, writing more about what I'm doing, um, it was really exciting for me. So I was willing to see where the project was going to take me. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, all these connections came in because I, I was born in Vienna. Uh, my father's uh, born in Breslau. Uh, my father lived in Vienna. And um, and it was it just felt like it was a, it, I don't know there was a bit of serendipity there and, and it felt quite right it felt quite um, natural to be in that space in that time and and for what I do caricaturing you know um, uh, it was great because I had two great faces to play with so when once you see um, good faces like uh, a Gough Whitlam or a, or a um, Jeff Kennett you know. Uh, yeah, you're happy. Yeah, I'm a happy drawer. <laughs> happy One final question. At this point in the, the process, you're much further down the road. You know more about Gunter Anders. How would you describe your relationship with Gunter Anders now and, and the nature of the kind of guy he was and the work that he did? Okay, so the relationship is actually growing because I did a bit of research overnight and, uh, and I found out that he... He uh, talked about technology and how, uh, how humans were going to interact with technology. And really, this is what I'm doing with my iPad at the moment. I'm, I'm interacting with a new technology. I'm trying to uh, paint with the materiality of, of that technology and also uh, mix it in with uh, traditional ways. So for me, for me, it's very exciting because now I've also got a passage to read in the, in the book about ca- the way that he saw caricature and he wrote apparently in a caricature way. So I think we're going to have a very long relationship and especially that, you know, he's a, he's a countryman. <laughs> you know, so, so I think, um, yeah, all of a sudden there, there seems to be a, uh, an exciting time for my creativity in that, in that way, yeah. A new companion across time and ideas and space. Uh, that's right, and, and it's amazing how how um, how he was thinking about these things. Uh, you know, in '92 he, he passed away in '92, but uh, how he was thinking about those things in, in the '40s and the and the '50s, and uh, and now when we look at uh, our world now with, with uh, iPhones and all that sort of thing, 
um, at the way that I'm using uh, new technology, um, I find that so compelling and so interesting. And and it's also the materiality that, that we're getting, getting from these images that we never really got from paint or from, uh, from a drawing, even though the, uh, the iPen now, um, the, the Apple iPen, actually draws like a pencil and really you can't tell the difference. I mean, even, even my trained eye still can't tell the difference. So, so it's exciting, it's exciting in that way. So, so to have somebody actually write about it, it'll be really interesting to see where, where that takes me. You've been listening to Unpacking the Real, Season 2 of Real is Not Real Enough. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Unpacking the Real is a collaborative research project created by Chris Muller and Helen Wolfenden from Macquarie University and Ben Nickel from the University of Sydney. We're grateful for the support of the many organisations who've got behind this project. You can find out more at the Goethe website for Real is Not Real Enough. Find the link in the show notes.